Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. Today, you'll hear from an entrepreneur, host, activist, and reality star who talks about what it's like to start a business from scratch, embrace your authenticity no matter what, and find self-love on a daily basis. But before we jump in, I want to ask you a favor. If you love the show and it's helped you, please consider leaving it a rating and review. It really helps bring the show visibility and push it up the charts so we can help and connect with more creatives. Also, consider sharing the show on your Instagram stories or Twitter. Tag the guest, at Unleash Your Inner Creative and at Lauren LaGrasso, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Now to the guest. Jay LaRox is a television personality, entrepreneur, actress, producer, choreographer, and trailblazer. She has made headlines in the likes of Forbes, Entertainment Tonight, Page Six, and more as the first African-American trans woman in the country to run her own beauty brand. Her company, called Bat Me, celebrates individuality and makes high-quality products that are both affordable and accessible to everyone. I highly recommend her eyeshadow palette. It's gorgeous. Love the blue in there. And the lipsticks. The colors are beyond. I wanted to have Jayla on the show because she's a perfect example of the magic that can happen when we embrace our authenticity and follow our creative spark. If you're still rejecting, repressing, or hiding a part of yourself and your light in some way, Jayla is a stunning role model for what it looks like to discover your worth and come into your own. From our conversation, you'll learn how to let go of conditioned thinking, welcome vulnerability, and as Jayla says, become your own yes in a world of no's. Now here she is, the amazing Jayla Rocks. I'm so excited to talk with you. I I feel bad because like when I first met you, I had no idea. I knew you were amazing, but I didn't know the depth of how amazing you were and are. Well, you met me. I was sitting in like a corner. I know. You needed to be center stage. <laughs> yeah. You just, your, your career is so amazing. What you've done is so amazing. You're also so young, like because you carry yourself with so much you know, you're a very spiritual person. You've got so much depth to you. Yeah. So you present, even though obviously your skin is very youthful, but you present like you've got an old soul. I- I'll take it. So when I found out how young you were, on top of everything you've done, I I was just blown away. So I'm so grateful to have you here, Jayla. Thank you for being on the show. Yay. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Like we, we finally get to do this. Like uh, we had a couple of bumps in the road, but we figured it out. I'm so happy. But I, when you said old soul, like that's pretty much what I am. Like my friends call me auntie (laughs) and I'm the youngest like of the group and they call me auntie. I just feel like you're a baby Buddha because even hearing you talk, I watched your Dr. Phil segment and I watched you on our mutual friend Roxy show. And even hearing you talk about people who have been hurtful toward you or who have been adversaries, you speak to them with so much love on a human level and like while still calling them out, but I just really admire that about you. And um, I'm just really honored to sit here with you. Oh, thank you. You make me you make me sound so cool. So people that's listening to this, they're gonna be like, who is this person? I want to go follow her just because of that. Thank you. Well, they should. And I want to talk all about your path, your amazing cosmetics line, all the boundaries you've broken. But I really like starting at the beginning because I believe creativity is deeply connected to the inner child. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering when you trace the lines of your life and you look back at your younger self, (laughs) she's tracing. Okay. So yeah, my younger self, I always tell this story because I love telling it. Um, I'm not going to live it down. Um, It all started back when I was four years old and I got casted in my very first school play and it was called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. 
and guess who was Rudolph? <gasps> Yours truly. I so I got my first role, first like you know, I was like last time I checked, the play wasn't called The Reindeers. It was called Rudolph, honey. So it was about me. That's right. And I guess like when I was a child, we always have this like free self thing, not being like nervous, just getting out there and having fun without like people worrying about the judgment and all those things. So that was like one of the first times I was actually like mm. myself and I gave it to the crowd. And I would say my first moment of joy or happiness that I could remember was the standing ovation that I got at the end of the play. Okay, Rudolph. Yeah, right. So I served that role, probably looking back at it. And I didn't have the best costume because my mom, I was like, I wanted to be furry and stuff. She got me this like brown, ugly sweatshirt. And we found like this little cheap little glow up nose we got from Michael's. But I turned it. <laughs> I made it work. Well, it sounds like it. You got the standing O, so clearly the costume worked its magic, but not as much as you did. Right. <laughs> so I'm wondering, so it sounds like, did, did you grow up in a household where creativity was like honored or looked at as a good thing? Or like, did you kind of feel like you had to repress? What was it like growing up? I would say a little bit of both. You know, growing up in a Southern household, it was always more about what is other people going to say rather than trying to focus on the people that are, you know, that love and support you. So I could be creative. But to a certain extent, you know what I mean? Certain things are like, okay, well, boys don't do that. And then I was always, you know, kind of getting into this thing like, well, what do I want to do? You know, so I wasn't the kid that played sports. I played them to make other people happy and stuff. Yeah. But I didn't really fit there. I wanted to be with the cheerleaders. I wanted to be with the dancers. I'm ready to five, six, seven, eight, you know. So I think that I still hold on to those things and still hold on to those moments because that's what made me who I am today. And just like, having that experience through like, you know, entertainment my whole life. I think that now that I'm emerging myself to the world as Jayla Rocks, I'm able to take on those old tidbits that I've had over the years and applying it to myself today. Yeah. So how did you go from being somebody who was repressing parts of yourself, some big parts of yourself, kind of like to fit in and, and make sure you didn't take up too much space and didn't make other people uncomfortable to mm -hmm. coming out as a trans woman and starting to really embody yourself. What was that journey like? You know what? I always say like, in a world full of no's, be your own yes. <laughs> and I know that's a little cocky to say, but it will get you through a lot of things. So I just got really, I wouldn't say tired. I just kind of just got to my breaking point, if you will, yeah. of just like, you know what? I'm never going to make it if I'm too busy, you know, trying to make other people happy. And when I say make it, it's not like be famous or, you know, like find happiness with intention and doing it honestly and authentically. That's what I mean by make it. So I had some times where I was like, why am I living, you know, and, and why am I worth it? Should I just go be somebody's uh, cashier? You know, no shade to cashiers, but I'm saying like, there's, so, there's something out there so much more and I'm going to go figure it out. So I ended up leaving my house. I didn't get kicked out or anything like that. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to find it for myself yeah. and I'm going to be my yes. So I just said, yes, I'm allowed to do it. Wow. And what age were you when that happened? Um, I would say like right after high school, like in between college, you know, when you're in college, you go into the, I, I went away for school. So I was in the dorms and I was feeling like, like, oh, okay, nobody tell me what to do here, you know? And then just exploring, like, you know, I was drinking, I was, part, you know, like what all college kids do. And those were the things that I was unable to do. Right. So I got all of that out of the way in the college year. The college years, what they call your formative experimental years. So that's kind of like where I was with it. Yeah. And so at that point, 
you fully became yourself. You were authentic. You were expansive. I think that's such an important point you make, though, Jayla, because you co-hosted Jesse's show, right? Was that? Yes, that's how we met. I was going to say, I was sitting in the corner with my yeah. little stack papers. <laughs> so Jesse, Jesse Janity, our mutual friend, had a late night show at After Buzz TV, and I was a guest on there. And something we talked about on that night was not rejecting yourself because the world can reject you in a million ways. Yeah. But if you reject yourself, then you're a double loser because not only can the world reject you for something that's like, you know, inauthentic to you, you rejected yourself by not letting yourself be who you really are. So I think I just want to take a moment to like point out how poignant and important that point is. And I think that's something that like through all the work you've done is so apparent that you've just been true to who you really are. I gotta be baby. Cause I always say like, I can't go on TV and do something cause people really know me and they're going to be like, Oh, she's fake as hell. You know what I mean? And you don't want to be the fake as hell person. So I think that what you're going to see on TV is going to get the same thing for me. It's like, I don't know how to act. I'm not an actor. I act like I like some people, but, uh, <laughs> but when it comes down to just like presenting myself who it is, it doesn't require me to read a script or do all those things. I just show up. Yeah. And that's like the important part is just showing up. And I know you're a really spiritual person. I'm I'm making assumptions here, but I'm assuming growing up in the South, like spirituality was a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how you like took whatever your formative spirituality was and have transitioned it into like what you do now for a spiritual practice. Yeah, absolutely. So I do meditation. I do when, when it was allowed, when we used to see people, we, I used to go to meditation groups on the, in the evenings here. But now I feel like I had to let go of the conditioned thinking Mm. of religion and all those things that that kept me afraid to do the things that I want to do. Because everything you did in the South, if you did it not the way they wanted to, you're going to hell. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, okay, well, I'm scared to even drink water the wrong way or pick up my fork the wrong way because, you know, I was always scrutinized with those little things. So I would say now, like getting rid of the condition thinking, I still hold on to some of the principles and, you know, the golden rule is number one of them is like treat people the way you want to be treated. And I think that just applying that and, and also educating myself when people say, you know, well, there's God watching you. And I'm like, well, is he? Let's go find out, you know, and for myself. And Do you think God's a man? I don't think God is a gender at all. Same. I think for me, God shows up in ways of spirit rather than form and and even in the bad way i got into a car wreck a couple of days ago i got rear-ended you know driving in la and i just got this car and i was just like do i go out and cuss him out or is this preparing me for something greater and i was like okay that means something good is going to happen to me this week you know I, i i take everything for the good and the bad because that's how god shows up for us yeah. And, you know, just holding on to those things is what keeps me moving forward, keeping me with the faith, keeping me to be persistent, even though there are some days I just want to Netflix and chill and just don't talk to nobody. <laughs> well, maybe that's part of God, too. You know, it's like I think God is everywhere and everyone. And we like see the unfolding of God in each other. And God is in like this tree I'm looking at out my window. It's like God is everywhere. And when you can kind of think of it from that point of view, like, all of life, even the mundane parts, even the parts that really hurt, like getting in a car accident, there can be some beauty and some lesson gained from it Mm -hmm. versus when it's like God is fire and brimstone. It's like, how do you have hope for life when that's your outlook? I don't know. Right. You know, and it's funny because a lot of people in the South use the term God fearing. I hate that term. Why do I want to fear God? (laughs) I like him. Yeah. I like Sky Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) anyone use 
sky dad. Okay, if God is a man, I'm fine with calling God sky daddy. That's the only term I'll accept yes, in the male gender. hashtag sky daddy. Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Okay, so I'm curious for you, like, there are a lot of people that had these, you know, younger years where they were in a church. I grew up Catholic, so I I relate to you in a lot of ways, where you were in a church where it was like, very much like, you're a sinner, like, shame, shame. Yeah. And so it's like, to go from that kind of upbringing to then making your own spiritual path, it can be scary, because sometimes just starting to question whether or not those things are true makes you feel like you're going to get on a straight shot to USS hell. So yeah, but now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like if the drinkers and the partiers and the the sinners going to hell, then sign me up, honey. Because I don't want <laughs> I don't want to be boring in the after. Like I still want to carry on this, you know, this glow and this energy because you know energy never dies. Yeah. So if my energy is going to be with the party, then sign me up. Well, and matter cannot be created nor destroyed, which is something you bring up. It's like a scientific fact. It's one of the laws of the universe. So we're going to always be somewhere floating around, whether it's on earth or not. But I was going to ask you, like, what would be your advice for somebody who was like religious growing up and now is kind of devoid of spirituality, but feeling empty because they want to find their own version of that? How did you start to kind of develop your own spiritual journey? Yeah, I would just say, uh, just keep walking in the path. And then you, when you realize like how far you've come based off of where you've been, even like last week, you know what I mean? All of those times that brought you here, God has always been there. So, you know, when you were having a rough time, God has always been there. When you're having a great time, when things are happening good and you're manifesting all those things, like you can't just have God for the positive and then just be like, oh, well, maybe. So I would say, you know, find it for yourself. That's all I can say. Yeah. Find it for yourself. You know, I love how you went to college. You really started embodying yourself and and embodying your full authentic self. And there's a lot of people out there, whether they're trans, gay, or just like trying to bring out a piece of their personality that they've never been able to fully embrace because they're fearing that their family's going to judge them or society's going to judge them. It really, it shuts you down and it, it dims if not like completely puts out your light when you're living like that, Mm -hmm. what would be your advice to somebody who is on the journey to admitting to who they really are? I read this in a book and I'll never forget it. Um, Janet Mock, her first book, Redefining Realness, which was a very great like coming to age story about her life and her evolving into a beautiful trans woman. There was a line that said, no matter what you do, the light inside of you or the person inside of you, in this case, it's always going to find its way out. <laughs> so no matter, if you, you can hide all you want, but there's going to be a time where that light is going to say, you know what? No more. I am Diana Ross. I'm coming out. <laughs> so you just have to meet that, accept it at the same time, and then start to embrace it. Who wants to be boring anymore? Who wants to be normal? And that's the thing is like, For trans people, my transition just happened to be more physical, but everybody goes through a transition. The way you think, the way you act, the way your body changes, you know, so we're all going through a transition. Like, I kind of get that when people just start to, like, hone in on my transition, I say, well, what about your transition? Right. And then people think about it and they go, hmm. I say, yeah, we're all on the path. Mine just happens to be, you know, more form and mental. Yours just happens to be more mental, you know what I mean? So it's, we're all on a moving path forward. So how do you work on self-love? Uh, I learned how that shows up for me too. Not texting someone back because I'm too exhausted is self-love. 
me choosing to eat junk food today is self-love. You know what I mean? Taking the little things and the things that I enjoy is what I call self-love. Because people always say, like, self-love is just, you know, looking in the mirror, telling yourself you're beautiful. Yes, that's a part of it. But just finding things that you purely enjoy is like, you know, I enjoy writing. I'm a computer nerd too. So I love doing computer stuff. As long as I'm click clacking, you know, the ASMR stuff, you know, that is my self love. So I find it in different ways. And like I said, drinking water is self love. Mm -hmm. Having a shot is self love, you know, in the middle of the day or in the morning, you know, all of those things I find joy in and I just take it day by day. So my self-love changes day by day. Yeah, and I love that because the overarching message from what you just said is finding joy and setting boundaries, which I think mm-hmm. you wouldn't think those two things are interrelated, but they really are because when you set boundaries, you make more space for joy. Yeah, absolutely. And there was something, I, I read a bunch of articles about you. There was one in Voyage LA and you said, dance was my way of therapy because black families don't believe in sitting and talking out their problems. Something that I talk about on this show and just in my life in general a lot is mental health. I'm 100% Italian. I relate to what you said here. We talk about our problems in Italian culture, but we do not talk about therapy. We do not talk about mental health. That is off the table. Don't talk about it. Someone might judge you. Protect the family. Keep it in. You know, it's all very secretive. Yeah. And so I really, I related to this. And so I'm wondering, like, what was your experience of awareness of mental health growing up? And like, how has that changed as you've grown older? Yeah, um, you know, we all go through like childhood trauma that we're working through and X, Y, and Z. And then like the little things for me, I would say like wardrobe choices. Yeah. There were some times like, I want to wear this, but boy, you know, I had to wear what boys wore or I had to look a certain way or walk a certain So those little things carried with me. And then I started to hold grudges. Mm. And then the holding those grudges started to like weigh on me through my teenage years. And I hated everybody. <laughs> you know, so then there was a time where I was like, I, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was one of those days. I was just like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I just knew like, if I did commit suicide or something like that, like, will I be mad at myself for, you know, not going through with the things that I say I want to do? So I learned like, only you're going to, only you are going to be the one to make you happy. So switch gears, love, you know what I mean? Because the world's still going to keep moving around you. And like I said, that's when I became my own yes in this world. It's like, even now, people are just like, you know, I don't feel comfortable with your existence. So when um, when they say, if there's no seat at the table, pull up your own folding chair. And like living, having those little, like, I call them my corny quotes, but they're really not. I, I Like my little nuggets in life, I keep pulling those out and moving forward. Uh, yeah. And not only did you pull up a chair, you basically built a whole building and like an industrial sized kitchen with a glorious table. <laughs> you were the first ever African-American trans woman who has started a makeup company. It's called Bat Me. Um, tell me yes. about how this began and your journey with being this incredible entrepreneur. Okay. So I spent a lot of money on makeup <laughs> and then I was like, Okay, living in LA, it costs a lot to still be poor in LA. You know what I mean? It's got to be. I mean, New York City, I'm sure, is really bad. San Francisco's bad. But LA is one of the hardest cities to be poor in because this is how I say it. You can see everything you've ever wanted 
and you get so close to it and then you get so close and then you bash your head against the wall and you realize there was a veil of glass in between you and all of your dreams. Yeah. And so what I love about you is you've shattered the glass and been like, I'm here, bitches. <laughs> and that's pretty much how I show up in any room. I'm like, I'm here, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was um, trying to save money and I was like, okay, let me start to invest in the things that I love the most. So I'm not losing out on something. So I started and I got with a nice vendor and we were like, okay. How'd you find the vendor? Can we just pause that for a minute? Because so many people probably want to start companies. Like, did you just go to Google? Like, what was your strategy there? Not being afraid to ask for help. Oh, good. So I, I knew people who were doing the same thing that I wanted to do, but they were a little bit ahead. Hmm. So instead of fighting competition, in it, I said, hey, this is what I want to do. You know, my money was going to be different than your money. We're not having the same because we're not competing. Give me a head start. And I have a nice friend that was able to find, I guess they have like a vendor book. So a vendor list is what you want to look for. Um, And there's a few people that have them. They sell them for like five bucks. Vendor list. And it has like every niche of like, you want to do athletic wear, you want to do makeup. And they have just names and numbers, names and numbers. And I called through the names and numbers and some of the people were overseas, so language barriers. So it was like a, a good six-month process before I actually started getting to what I actually liked. And so you were calling people specifically that were like makeup vendors or lash vendors. Right. Okay. I would say lash vendors because that's what I liked the most. And I was like, okay. Right. And I knew a lot of drag queens. I grew up with a whole bunch of drag queens. So I'm like, if I can provide a service for the drag queens, but where they don't have to spend all of their tips to look good, that I'm doing something for myself. I'm being of service. I'm being, you know, giving back to my community in small ways. So I open up Bat Me, and that's where Bat Me comes from, the name. Because it's like when you bat your lashes, people never forgot that. They're like, (laughs) I I love your Batman uh, cosmetics. And I'm like, I don't think it's Bruce Wayne, but I'll go with it. But no, the Bat Me is like when you flutter your eyelashes, like you're batting them. So we were called Bat Me Lashes when we first started. And we had a... a nice little selection of lashes and then people were starting to actually buy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait, they're amazing. And then people started messaging me and saying like, you changed my life. And I'm like, girl, they're just lashes, you know, <laughs> but I didn't realize the impact. Like I said, being of service, I'm helping people, you know, not spend their money. And then when you look good, you do good. Mm-hmm. And the girls were making more money because they're starting to look more rich and they're, look, they're looking expensive because people are giving them more money because they think they are expensive and it has something to do with my lashes. And I was like, oh shit. Can I say, oh shit? Oh, you can say whatever you want. Okay, so oh shit. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is sticking. So let's expand. And then I started to do the eyeshadow palette, which is the box of donuts palette that I started. I, I invested all in that because I didn't have a job at the time. So I was doing like Uber and Lyft and all those things to kind of like invest into my own craft, you know? Wow. And um, so are you completely self-funded? I'm completely self-funded. That's amazing, Jayla. Yeah. So uh, I'm a little poor, so if y'all want to support me. <laughs> well, we should talk offline because I, I feel like you should pitch to venture capitalists. Because first of all, there, there's such a lack of investment in women. Like women get yeah. 2% of all investment, like of all venture capital. And then I think of that, like women of color get 0.08%. 
So it's fucked up. But the good news is there's finally like women who are stepping forward to specifically invest in women of color, people from the LGBTQ community, women in general, because it's just, I'm I'm sure you know all the statistics of women-led businesses, but like they're also, I think, 40 or 50% more likely to succeed um, than male-led businesses. So there's a bunch of reasons why it's a great thing, but I'm just like blown away that you haven't taken any investment because your product is so amazing. Thank you. Give me some, give me some tidbits. We're going to talk. We're going to talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. I think part of it is I'm a little too stubborn. I would say like, don't be afraid to ask for help. But for me, I always say that, but then I'm like, okay, but I want to like, you know, but. Well, you do ask for help, but I think that you because I I feel a similar thing. I'm sure it's maybe a Southern thing. And for me, it's like a Midwest thing. Like you don't want to bother anyone. Bother anyone, right. But it's not. You're giving them an opportunity to invest in an amazing company. And I think that's where we need to change our mind. It's like, we're not bothering people by sharing our art with them. We're giving them an opportunity. Okay, I like that. I'm giving you the opportunity. I like that. I'm gonna start saying that when I when, yeah when I go to the meetings. <laughs> yeah, to collaborate on this amazing product that's like not only helping people look beautiful, but also you're changing the landscape of the cosmetics industry forever. Not only because of the representation you're bringing, but also because of the price point. Yeah, absolutely. Like y'all want to spend all that money to look good because you know people are spending a whole bunch of money on canceled stars and because of the names and the shindigs, but some of us have the same vendor. So, Ooh. you know, do you want to spend $60 on it? Or do you want to come on down to bat me and get it for 30% off? <laughs> I want to come on down to bat me. Yeah, save your coins. Um, so you expanded to like all these different types of makeup. And I mean, it's, it's amazing. That palette that you were talking about, the eyeshadow palette, it's got every color you could ever want. It's so much fun. It's such a pop. Like, how many colors do you have in the eyeshadow palette? See, look, I am a businesswoman, so I never miss a chance. Oh, yes, bring it out. To go ahead and plug, honey. So this is the box of donuts. <laughs> Don't you love that? Um, I love it so much. I, I heard I was going to be on QVC today, so I'm going to be giving you my best QVC. Yes, that's right. Welcome. It's today's special, honey buns. Yes, here we go. Okay, so this is the box of donuts, too. It's spelled T-O-O. Um, this is the second installment of the palette. The first palette um, was kind of like an introduction to who I was as a person. I feel like this one is a more evolved version of me. And I I guess it's more fun. It tells the story of everything that I am. So everything I put my spirit into, I put it into my product. So it's box donuts. It's vegan. It's gluten-free. It really is. It's all been tested. (laughs) So here we go. It comes with a big mirror. And gorgeous. Look at those fun colors. I want the blue. I know those electric blues, the the browns, the there's a whole like glitter and champagne moment down in this area. Mm. So if you want to just like, you know, if you want to go to Easter Sunday, you can put a little gold on your eye. But if you want to go to the after party, put a little extra electric blue under the eye and have a good old time. And it's very pigmented. So a little bit of color goes a long way. Well, that's amazing because not only is it a better price point, but then once you invest the money, it lasts. Yeah, absolutely. There's something you said in your Forbes article, which hello, Forbes. Amazing. (laughs) When you were talking about that, you're the first, you know, the first African-American trans woman. You said, at this point in time, I have a responsibility that I didn't sign up for. Yeah. That made me cry. And it's so poignant, and but you hold it with such reverence. I'm just wondering, how do you handle the pressure of being the first and breaking the glass ceiling? And how do you hold that on a day-to-day basis? 
Yeah. Oh my God. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I'm freaking out. So um, I live in LA. So I formed this really good relationship with Sativa. Oh. <laughs> so I've been able to, you know, like, you know, stay chill. But um, all in all, I think that um, it helps me put my best foot forward every single day. When I wake up, I wake up with intention and purpose. You can't make moves if you don't get up. And Brene Brown always talks about that. Love her. And I'm reading her book, uh, Rising Strong. I'm a book reader. I love all these like self-help books and all that kind of stuff. People think it's like, you know, corny, but it, it helps. It really does. Um, Rising Strong is more about like putting yourself out there, being vulnerable and showing up. So the people in the arena, they, they buy the cheap seats is what she says. And if you're not down in the arena getting your ass kicked every day, then I am not invested in your feedback. And that's what helps me go along the day because, you know, there's a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of naysayers. And I don't see them with no eyeshadow palette. I don't even see them as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So I have to read all of that out, no pun intended. <laughs> Somebody called me this. I was really weirded out by it. A trailblazer. You are. And I was like, that's cool. So now that people call me that, I kind of act like it now. So being a trailblazer, I have to keep inspiring myself over and over and over again and getting with the times too. Yeah. Everything's changing so fast. It really is. I'm totally with you. I believe in that whole, the man in the arena. I mean, it should be just like the person in the arena, but the guy who originally said that was Teddy Roosevelt. Right. And it's like one of my favorite speeches of all time. And it's one thing to intellectually know that, but then someone comes at you and hurls an insult or hurls a criticism. And I don't think that I am to the point in my spiritual journey where I can like fully not be affected by something. Where are you at with that? Yeah, me either. We're all human. Yeah. Like how do you, how do you actually deal with that? What's your practical tactic? I'm a Pisces, so I cry about everything. Me too. I'm not a Pisces, but I cry about everything. <laughs> every little every little thing. So I think that what, what helped me get over it is two years ago, I, oh my God, it's been two years already, or last year, I would say, I did Sequester, the TV show, and I lived in a house with a whole bunch of white people, and they all had different views, and I knew that me being the only Black girl in the house, I was going to dare greatly, like Teddy Roosevelt said. So- I put myself out there and I was like, let me just put myself in one of the biggest competitions. It's physical, it's mental. We didn't get to eat, we didn't get to sleep. Like, let me just put myself in that because that's like proof if I'm really tough enough. So I would test my limits. And then once the show came out, I realized that the fandom and the viewership was not a reflection of the people like me. Mm. So every week I had to be called dumb black bitch on Twitter. Or every week I had to become stupid bitch or the girl with the purple hair, but you know, and I was always that. It got to a point where I deleted my Twitter. So I don't have Twitter anymore because I was quote unquote bullied off. But um, it was one of those things is like, at the end of the day, I did it. I beat out half those people. <laughs> I was the top four. I made it to the very end of that show. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Um, but like, it, it, it gave me like the strength of like, F what you say, I'm going to do it regardless. And I'm going to do it my way. And I want to do it honestly. So I did that. And I think when I got back home, there's nothing like can nobody say now. But like every now and then I'm like, don't read the comments. But I'll scroll every now and then. I'm like, oh, okay. And a lot of people say like, I don't care what they say about me. But at the same time, I would like to know what people are saying about me. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Because that has a lot to do with your reputation, you know, all those things. And if they just hate you because you got purple hair, then girl, whatever. But if, if I've hurt someone's feelings or I've said something that was mean spirited or people, people took it that wrong way, I would like to know those things so I'm not being oblivious or being clueless or being out of touch or, you know, yeah, privileged, if you will, because there's also privilege in being trans and stuff like that as well. So that's a great point. So you try to take the helpful, constructive criticism, learn from it and leave the ones that like, I mean, I remember one time I was hosting a show on After Buzz and they're like, the woman host is annoying. And I'm like, could you give me more feedback? Like if there's something I'm doing in particular, that's annoying to you, let me know what that is. I do want to get better as a host, but like, there's not much I can do with the woman host is annoying. Yeah. And then you click on their profile. They have no videos of themselves. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or they, they have a Corgi as their profile picture or a superhero or some shit. I'm like, whatever. Keep following me. Keep watching. Thank you so much because that's all going to help the viewership at the end of the day. And the numbers don't lie, honey. People can hate you all they want, but the numbers don't lie. That's right. <laughs> and you know what my friend Sarah Frazier says? She used to work in radio and she would like get mean listeners calling in. And whenever they'd call in, she'd go, I'm resonating. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's the thing we need to remember too is like, whether you're getting a good reaction or a bad reaction, if you're getting a reaction, something's happening. And yeah, sometimes it hurts when it's, you know, something that's hateful, but. But you know what, Lauren, let me tell you this. People give me compliments all the time. People talk shit about me all the time. And you know what? It all starts to sound the same. Yeah. Compliments and the shit talk. It's all just here. And I go, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it it all gets mumble jumble because compliments sometimes become like little like side jabs too. Like people like, oh, I I love how you can just wear anything. You know, and I go, thank you. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you st- you want to just you want to talk to me, and the fact that you want to be in my presence, you want me to acknowledge you. I love you for it. So compliments and shit talk are all the same. Yeah, and I think it gets back to what we were talking about before, which is finding your own voice. You know, it's like mm-hmm. all the impetus from the outside world is great, but at the end of the day, you have to lay in bed and deal with yourself. You know, you you're going to be the one staring up at the ceiling, being like, "Okay, was I happy with who I was today?" And if your answer to that is yes, then you're good. Yeah. And, you know, I do the After Buzz show with uh, RuPaul's Drag Race with Mark, Jackie, and Ali. And every week we watch RuPaul's Drag Race. And I love it for the drag alert, for the art. But there is a scene at the very end of each episode, at every season, it's RuPaul saying, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen up in here? And every time he says it, I say amen. Because that is like, the number one thing. And people just think, oh, it's just because of drag queen saying X, Y, and Z. But if you can't, how? Mm-hmm. So love yourself. <laughs> love yourself. Do you love yourself? I love myself. I do love myself. I think the thing I'm working on is trusting myself. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time trusting myself. I think what I've learned from this, this uh, quarantine is I love myself and I like myself even, which was kind of surprising because I think sometimes that's harder than loving yourself to like yourself. Yeah. But I don't think I trust myself. And I think that's where most of my issues are. Do you trust yourself? No. <laughs> I have a very, um, what do you call it? Inner saboteur mm. that tries to tell me all the things opposite of what I actually am doing. But it's kind of good because it helps me be aware. Mm. It helps me understand, like, let me sit with my thoughts. 
what does self say about me right now? Because I can go from, you're the baddest bitch on the planet to, oh my God, you're not going to be relevant next month. And I'm like, what does that got to do with anything? And I just sit there with that, like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. Let me kind of be in tune. I know it's not real. I, I can just only take it, listen to it, change the channel. Yeah. No, I, I think so many creative people deal with living in extremes. You know, it's like one minute, like you said, I'm amazing. I'm so proud of everything I've accomplished. I'm a great person. I'm a terrible person. I've never done anything. And it's like, whoa. Yeah, I've never done anything. That's me. I can flip from that to the bad version in like five <laughs> minutes. And I'm like, where did it come from? But this past year, I've been, I've been working on, speaking of Brene, shame talk a lot, you know, because that's like, yes. it's all shame talk in the inner critic. My therapist gave me this great, little thing to do when that voice comes up. And she said, ask it what it wants you to know. Ooh, okay. And what, what I realized that shame talk wanted me to know, or like what it wanted to do for me was to tell me to keep going and not give up, but it was going about it in all the wrong ways. It was going about it by bullying me, by berating me, by basically being a drill sergeant in my head. Mm -hmm. And so now when the voice comes, and I'm not successful at this all the time, but when the voice comes up, I will ask it, okay, I hear you. You're coming in loud and clear. <laughs> what do you want me to know? Yeah. And most of the time, it's actually a positive thing, but it's just going about it in a way that is very harmful and abusive. Yeah, too damn extreme. Yeah. So I gotta just learn how to stop being too damn extreme. And just kind of just take it for what it is and just go out. And I, I try to go outside more. Yeah. Um, I know like the quarantine and stuff has had me really stuck in the house. But like going for a walk. I live by the Brady Bunch house. So I like to go. I like to go see the Brady Bunch house every day. And it's just like something about that, even though it's just a house, something about that is just joyous. So I'm trying to find like little joys. And there's like a little, I don't have any pets, but there's a little cat on my way in my walk Aww. and we stop and see each other. So like little things like that help me like quiet those voices, be in tune with nature and come back feeling refreshed. And I have a lot of energy. So yeah, like simple things. It's important. I talk about um, finding creativity in the mundane and like you having that conversation with the cat, like that's creative, you know, like yeah, looking at a tree and like taking time to be with nature. That's reconnecting to source, to God, you know, I think those are also important and help us get out of our head and into our heart. I love that. Yeah. And then something else that I'm super curious about is fear. And I think in order to pursue creative life, you have to at least be able to take fear out of the driver's seat. It might always be present with you, mm -hmm. but it can't be making decisions because otherwise you're never going to be your authentic self. Yeah. My fear lives in my trunk. Good. Because but my trunk is the one like you can still see your trunk from the back. So a hatchback. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's <laughs> okay. Me and my hatchback, yes. Um, so I you know how that like you've seen those movies when you get in the car and then it's like nobody and you look into the, the rear view mirror. Yeah. All of a sudden see something in the back seat or something like that. That's where my theory is. Like if I just don't look in the rear view, I just I know it's there if I just keep driving forward. If I look back, I'm gonna get scared and just argh. So you just keep your eyes ahead. Mm -hmm. Keep my eyes on the road. You know, you talked about how when you started Bat Me, you asked people for help, like people who are in the same industry and like approached it with collaboration over competition. But I also heard you, or I think I read in one of the interviews you did talk about how like you were focusing too much on 
your competitors or like other people in the industry at first, and then you had to get back on track to what you were doing. Can you take me through kind of how that manifested and how you got back to yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So everything I do, I want to do the best of the best. And I was doing, I guess, over research. <laughs> Is that a thing? We overly research some things. So you're like, okay, well, I know that I got to have shiny boxes and I got to have this box and it has to be velvet. And, you know, and people really don't care about the boxes. They're going to end up in the trash anyway. So I was just like, okay, this is not authentic to me. Like, do I like it? Or am I just doing something that I think people are going to like? And it started to like cost me a lot of more money. It cost me a lot of myself too, to just kind of just step back. Like, there was a time where I didn't even want to post myself wearing my stuff because I felt it was too vain. And then I was, you know, so I was going through this up and down thing. And I was like, you know what, whatever. I'm going to just put everything out there for me. So I make the makeup and stuff for me. And if you like it, great, buy it. You know what I mean? So I have to continue to keep putting my best foot forward for myself and letting my sass and my colorfulness show up in my product. Everybody now is getting that spirit from the product. Mm. So I have a lookbook now on my Instagram and it's people from all over showing how they hashtag elevate their sway. And what the hashtag is, is what that means to you and how can you celebrate your creativity through it? So the fact that I'm able to be honest and be like, I love it. They're going to say, well, if you love it, I love it. You know what I mean? But I know, I know all of my customers, like those things like matter. Yeah. And I love that you had this realization of coming back to yourself again, where, you know, Martin Scorsese says the most personal is always the most creative. And I think that's so true with your cosmetics line. Yeah. Um, you know, one other thing that I think is super important to touch on is like a big part of your brand is uplifting other people in the LGBTQIA community who are artists. What's the connection in your opinion between honoring creatives from the queer community and gaining LGBTQ rights and visibility? I am a big preacher of representation matters. Seeing yourself up there, even if it's the, the smallest little role or something like that, just having it out there, having the, the, the face out there and not having people play those roles or what they think it is or the stories are being told from someone else. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that we're able to tell our stories the way we know how authentically is super important. And also doing this as well, what we're doing right now, conversing and allowing me to have the platform with you rather than just like, well, she's a great person, go follow her. But now you're giving me the opportunity to share my voice. So you are an ally, I would say. <laughs> you know, you are the ally in helping people get their voices out there. I, I think it's just so important to talk about because it, apparently they found data that proved that Will and Grace being on the air directly led in part to gay marriage getting passed in the United States. So it's like, it's not just important from like the, the very important things that we've talked about just now, like visibility, seeing yourself up there, like seeing somebody that you like on TV who's different from maybe anyone that you've ever met, but it also can actually change legislation. Absolutely. You know, someone uses one of your lipsticks, maybe they've never met a trans person before, but they now feel an emotional connection to you. And so now maybe they're going to be incited to fight for trans rights. Absolutely. You, you know what? That actually did happen with one of my customers. 
She saw me on Dr. Phil. She's a Midwest lady. She's like, I have never met a trans person. Uh, and she sounds like that. She's very country. I've never met a trans person. And I'm going to love you for you. And I was like, thank you. Like, little things like that matter to me. And I think, like, getting those messages, I do get those messages from all types of people. My child is trans. And mm. listen to your story. Give me hope. And all those things. So I think that we are changing the world. Absolutely. Day by day, there's a, a documentary, um, Disclosure. Yes, it's amazing. I know. So I just, if you listen to this, go watch it. And that, that helps change the world too and how we are written in media. So I was blessed to be nominated this year for Queerty for performance. And it was my first acting role. Uh, last year, I did a movie called Gayish 2. And it was, it's a coming of age story of a Black trans person and the struggles and the vulnerability. And I had to be vulnerable. And when I remember at the audition, I was reading the script and I couldn't finish the script because I was too busy crying. I was bawling out crying. And he was like, are you okay? Because there's a point in the script where I had to cry on cue, but it was so emotional that it was, I, I, uh, pre-cried <laughs> yeah so I pre-cried and I couldn't stop because I knew like this story isn't my story but it's somebody's story you know what I mean so I have to tell it the best way I know how and I can only think like there are so many black trans women being murdered at a high rate that I have to do my part to get this story out there so uh, I'm glad that the people took the time out to watch it and realize that the story was important to be nominated. And I'm the only black girl in my category. So oh my gosh. I'm breaking barriers, okay? Yes, you are. <laughs> I can't wait to watch that. Yes, it's great. And also just for anyone listening who doesn't know, Disclosure is an incredible documentary. It's on Netflix. Laverne Cox was one of the producers for it. Yeah. And it talks about how trans people are represented in the media and how that affects trans people's lives and how they're viewed and their safety. Yeah. And it's fascinating and heartbreaking and really important. So I highly recommend you watch that and then tell me the name of the movie again that you were in. Where can we watch that? Oh, it's um, it's called Gayish. It's on actually on YouTube in like segments. Okay. Um, it's Gayish Two. It's G A Y I S H Two. The number two. Okay, we're gonna watch you there. We want to see. Yes, grab your tissues. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're gonna enjoy it though. I will. Oh my god, I'm sure. I I know I'll enjoy it. I mean, I love the way you talk about that too because I went to you also went to theater school I thought you said right you studied theater yeah I did yeah. Mm -hmm. so whenever I approach a character I do the same thing I, I think of it like a life on my hands you know you've got somebody's life yeah. on your hands and it's your job to tell the story as truthfully as you possibly can and so it's beautiful to hear you talk about acting in that way yeah because I always say like if I ever wanted to do something or say something I'm going to always make sure I have something to say yes does that make sense Okay. Yes, definitely. You don't want to just say words for the sake of saying them. You want them to have some level of depth and like poignancy to them. And, and you can take from it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody can use it to help their life. And that comes through in everything you do. But you know, you are a true multi-hyphenate. We talked about it. You, 
you do acting, you are a host, you have your own cosmetics company. I'm sure there's a million other things coming down the pipeline that I don't even know about. I'm single. Oh, and she's single, folks. Oh, God. <laughs> I am too. How is that going? How are you dealing with dating in general and dating during quarantine? I don't have any of it. No. I haven't dated. Uh, I, at the beginning of quarantine, I had like Bumble mm-hmm. and I was like entertaining people. <laughs> but then I was just like, oh, no. So I don't have anything. I don't have Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, any of that stuff. So yeah, you're happy to be completely single and just. Yeah, for now. Because I feel like my man of my dreams is not going to be on this life path. He's going to be getting cucumbers and I'm going to be getting cucumbers. And we're going to reach for the cucumbers at the same time and like touch hands. And then I'm going to go, oh, I'm sorry. You go first. I feel like that too. But then I'm like, well, when am I going to be able to grab a cucumber again? And I mean that literally and metaphorically. Um, (laughs) It's like, I always thought I'd meet my guy in the wild, but there's no wild. So how how am I going to do it? I've been trying to make really intense eye contact under my mask. When I go out, I like try to like eye sign language people, but I don't know if it's working. No, I made the mistake of uh, doing that. And this guy got his attention. And then he took his mask off and he didn't have no teeth. So I said, oh, I'm just going to just, you know. I was just having a twitch. I was just having a twitch. <laughs> right. I had something on my bat me lashes. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, buy them online. <laughs> right. It's very that. So um, I just say like, you know what? I'm going to start learning, learning how to love myself and, yeah. and, and le- learning how to be by myself. I'm alone, but I'm never lonely. Mm. Yeah. How? I have a whole bunch of like online friends. Like I'm a gamer, so I play PS4. And what if you meet your love through PS4? Oh, girl! I love this idea. I've seen catfish, <laughs> but I still I still keep in contact with my sequester buddies. Like yeah. even though we were like bashing each other in the house, we're all like good friends. So whenever I feel like alone, I'll just call them. And you know what we do, um, since they live all across the uh, the nation, and even if, like some people live in Canada, I'm like, can you show me outside of your window? Mm. And they're like, what? I'm like, I just want to see your outside, you know? And I'm like, oh, wow, this is Chicago. This is Canada. This is, you know, because I know I can't go. And it's just, it's just good to see like some, some areas it's snowing and some areas it's sunny and it's nighttime somewhere. So that's brilliant. Yeah, that's brilliant. I want to start doing that. Yeah, I think it will help us all feel less trapped and more connected. So I love that idea. Yeah, for sure. So I'm wondering, how do you switch from one project to the next? Like, do you like to keep things to certain hours? Are you kind of always working on everything at once? Do you have certain days you work on things? Like, how do you balance everything? So I am a woman of many hats. And I mean, my wigs too. <laughs> so I changed my wig like I changed my spirit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, like I, I wear a lot of hats and I have to realize like if Beyonce has the same 24 hours that I have, there is no excuse. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I do is I, like you said, setting boundaries. Mm. There's only so much I can do in a day for certain things. Like I can't go and jack people up and go, find my stuff. I can just post and I can do my emails and I can, you know, give people tracking them. I own so much I can do. I don't want to overwork myself. And I also separate my space. I work from home. Sometimes I go to the pool, I go to a bench or I'll work outside or I, um, I have an office in Beverly Hills and although I can't go there, I would go there, right. you know, 
because I know I want to come home and just plop on the couch, take my wig off and plop on the couch. But I've learned to like compartmentalize everything to make it fun and exciting. For example, the hosting thing. We tape on Sundays. I give my entire Sunday to that because I know like that's all I can do. I'm not going to try to like overwork myself. And I I put myself on a nine to five. After five o'clock, don't text me about anything that has work. If you want to go get a drink, let's go get a drink. But after five o'clock, I don't know anything else. I will respond the next business day. I work Tuesday through Friday. That's awesome. (laughs) And that's it. How do you think that has helped you avoid burnout? Has it helped you avoid burnout? Yeah, um, because I was just like, okay, I need to get this done. And, and I was making up stuff to do. Does that make sense? Like, and then it just, it just became like, oh, she must be bored. <laughs> and it was just like over, it was overkill for me. If I just treat it like just very lax, it all comes naturally. Right. Yeah. You have shared so much. I think you are such an incredible person, such an incredible businesswoman. I look up to you so much and admire you so much for your bravery and your courage. Um, yeah. It's because I'm like five nine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I literally look up to you and I also look up to you spiritually because you know there's a lot of things I want to do in my life. And you've been so bold and just gone toward them, even if you didn't have the rule book. You just went toward them and made your own rules. And so in going forward, I'm gonna ask myself WWJD. What would Jayla do? I like it. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to get a shirt <laughs> that says that. And I'll send you one. And we can just be like WWJD sisters. That would be amazing. So I have one final question for you. It's a two-parter. I want to go back to your younger self. Because I do believe creativity is deeply connected to the inner child. Okay. And so I'm wondering if you and little you were standing in the same room and looking at each other. What do you think she would say to you and why? Well, in this case, I would be looking at this young boy who just wants to make people happy. So I would say like everything that you thought was wrong was always right. And you did it, kid, you know, and keep going. And I always like keep in touch with that person. Mm. You know what I mean? I always keep in touch with that little kid in me because it's like, the way I talk to myself, would I say that to me when I was four? Would you say that to a child? You know what I mean? So I just be like, you wouldn't say that to younger self. You wouldn't just go to a child and say, you're a loser, you're a failure. You know, what would you say to you? And, and, I, and I also see that young kid in me too. Whenever I'm doing something joyous, something that's great, I'll still do my little happy dance or something like that. And I'm just like, hey, I used to do that when I was younger. You know what I mean? So I, I'm still connected there. I didn't just forget and say, I'm a whole new person. I'm always going to be the same person, you know? And what would little you say to you now? Um, Are those real? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think that um, little me wouldn't know what to say. Mm. But I know that my transition had everything to do with being the person that I always wanted to have growing up. Mm. So my, my transness is a reflection of this inner role model for myself because I, I, for, for a minute, I would feel like the people that look like me failed me after a while. And they, they, they always say like the LGBT is the blacks to the whites, to the blacks. Does that make sense? The LGBT is the blacks to the whites, to the blacks. I don't know if I get it. No, t- tell me more. Okay, meaning like the black community 
don't really mess with LGBT. So that you. Oh, oh yes. Okay, I get what you're saying now. So like the phobia around the LGBT community. It's similar to the racism of the white community to the black community. Right. The way it's been treated. Yeah. Yes. So we're always, you know, the doors are slammed in our face. So now I have to be, like you said, the trailblazer because I'm getting my door, this door slammed in my face because I'm three things, a woman, a black woman, and a black trans woman. So I got all the targets on my back. You know what I mean? And that means I have to continuously show up every single day and be that role model for me because I know like, I didn't work this hard and pay all this money to look like this to just sit here and just let people go all over me or tuck my tail and, and, and step off the game. No. Bring that tail out. Jayla is here to stay. And I think your little self would be so proud of you today. Yes. I'm so proud of you. Honored to know you. Thank you for sharing your story today and for all you do. Absolutely. For all of us to know that we can unleash our inner creative and we can be our full selves. Thank you. I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening and thanks to my guest, Jayla Rocks. For more info on Jayla, follow her at who is Jayla Rocks. That's at who is Jayla, J-A-Y-L-A-R-O-X-X on Instagram. And follow at Bat Me Cosmetics to check out her brand. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's theme music. You can follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you liked what you heard today, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow the show on Spotify, share the show with a friend, and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also tag Jayla at who is Jayla Rocks so she can share too. My wish for you this week is that you are your own yes in a world of no's. Thank you, Jayla, for that powerful message. It's something I know I'm going to hold on to forever, and I hope you listening do too. I love you, and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.